Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 15, and we'll read through to the end of the chapter. Paul writes this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the sense, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Well, praise God. And we thank God for his word, and we know that God will always bless his words to his people. Just got a little story I'd like to share with you. Um, in a small town in India, a businessman decided that he wanted to open up a bar come nightclub right opposite a church. The congregation started a campaign uh, in order to block the bar from being built. They did it with petitions and they prayed daily against his business. However, work progressed. But when it was almost complete, about to open, there was a ferocious thunderstorm. A lightning bolt struck the bar and it was burnt to the ground. Wow. The congregation were rather smug in their outlook after that. Well, who wouldn't be? Until the bar owner sued the church on the grounds that the church, through its prayers, was ultimately responsible for the demise of his bar. In its reply to the court, the church denied all responsibility that their prayers were the reason for the bar's demise. As the case made its way into court, the judge looked over the paperwork at the hearing and made this comment. I don't know how I'm going to decide the case, but it appears from the paperwork we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer. And you know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> And we have an entire church congregation that doesn't. <laughs> uh, it's a humorous story. And, uh, do you know, I must say it, I can't remember whether it's true or not, to be quite honest, but I love the story. I thought you'd like to uh, hear it. Prayer. One of the best books I've ever read on prayer is this book. Hush, hush, it's time to pray. 
but how do we do it? And it's a great resource if you want, as a Christian, to really get to grips with prayer. The author makes an opening statement, and it says this, that what oxygen is to the body, so prayer is to the Christian. Prayer is the Christian's vital breath. Now, I love that opening statement. For me, that really opened up a, a, a good book, and I really enjoyed reading it. So why the preamble on prayer? Well, because in these verses, we get to eavesdrop onto a prayer. We get to listen in as the Apostle Paul tells the church at Ephesus what he prays for them. This is the first of two prayers that Paul prays for this church. The second one is in chapter 3 of the same book. This prayer that we have read together isn't the sort of prayer that you normally expect. Although the Ephesians are Christians living in a culture that is hostile to Christianity, Paul doesn't pray that God would protect them. And although some of these Christians may be sick, they may be poor, Paul doesn't pray for their health or for financial stability. And although some may be wrestling with sadness and pain, Paul doesn't pray for an easing of their situation. What Paul prays for them is so much deeper than that. This prayer is really meaningful. We read in verse 16, and these are the words of the Apostle Paul as he writes to this church at Ephesus, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. This verse in the paraphrase, the message, puts it this way. I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. Paul's time in Ephesus, recorded in the book of Acts, was a difficult time. It was a difficult journey in his life. But it was not fruitless. There were many converts, people who left their idol worship and they came to follow and worship the living God. These converts were on Paul's mind constantly and were on his heart as well. He's thanking God for their faith and also, the verses tell us, he's thanking God for the love that they have for each other. You read that in verse 15. You get a taste here of what really matters to Paul. The gospel matters. These young believers in their faith, their faith mattered to Paul. And also their love for one another mattered to Paul. And he made it a point of prayer in his life. And we see also that Paul is very specific in his prayer. As we read through the words of his prayer, he doesn't fall into the trap of cataloguing a list of people's names and just saying, God bless them, God bless them, I pray for them, they need this, God bless them. He doesn't fall into that. He focuses his prayer. He's so specific. And in verse 17, we're told what he prays for them, that they might know God better. Wow, what a prayer. If you want to pray for me, pray that prayer. And as I pray for you, I will pray that prayer that you together might come to know God, maybe for the first time.
but so much better in your lives. The Apostle Paul is focusing on their knowledge of God. He's focusing on their relationship with God as well as their relationship with each other. He's focusing on their knowing about who God is and how meaningful God should be within their lives on an everyday basis. He's praying that they will be exposed to the word of God. We read those words, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge. That's what it means to be exposed to the word of God. Now remember, these young believers, they didn't have the Bible. They had Paul's teaching. Some of them may have been exposed to parts of the Old Testament. We don't know. But they were coming from a culture and a backdrop of idol worship. They didn't know very much. And so Paul has this longing in his heart that they will be totally exposed to all that God has to say to them. And at this point in time, all they had was Paul's teaching. It was wonderful teaching. And now they were recipients of his letter writing as Paul encouraged them and he prayed for them and encouraged them to, to go on. Paul, as he prays about their knowledge of God, isn't making this a prayer for information. They have been informed about God. He is praying a prayer of transformation that their lives may be in the light of God's word, transformed for Christ. Now, I, I love that thought. In verse 18, we read this, this prayer, that the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened. You know, one of my favorite choruses, I know we haven't, I don't think we've sung it for a while, um, but it goes something like, I'm not, I said it this morning, I'm going to say it again, I'm not going to sing it, but open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. Open my ears and teach me to listen. And when Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthian church, he wrote these words. For God made his light shine in our hearts. It's enlightenment. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Although taught the Bible from a very early age by God-fearing parents, John Newton, and it's lovely that we sang Amazing Grace again, appreciate that, because he was the author behind those words that we sung. He said this, I sinned with a high hand, and I made it my study to tempt and seduce others away from God. Then he wrote this. It was God who opened my eyes and turned me towards Christ. There's a whole story around that, which I haven't got time to tell you tonight. But then he wrote this, and these words are so profound. He said this, there are only two things I know. I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great saviour. And his prayer, that God would open his eyes, it happened. And out of his opened eyes came these lovely words, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He was blind, he was lost, but now he could see, and now he was found. Great story about John Newton. So why does Paul pray that these young Christians in their faith might come to know God better every day in their lives for Christ. Why was this the focus of his prayer? 
It is so that their lives may be lived in the light and the certainty of heaven. That's God's dwelling place. That's where God is. That's where one day they would be. Paul prays that you may know the hope, we thought about the hope this morning, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, what Paul was attempting to do. Remember how difficult life was for the Ephesians. They were living lives still with idolatry all around them. They have been saved. The birth of the church had taken place in Ephesus. But Paul was trying to lift them out of their present circumstances. He's wanting to lift them into the heavenly realm. And so he talks about their glorious inheritance in Christ. Now there's one thing you all need to know about riches. There's some good news and there's some bad news. The good news is that the Bible promises every follower of Christ riches in heaven. Isn't that great? The bad news is that it has nothing to do with money. That actually might be good news for some people if you're struggling with money. It has nothing to do with that. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. You know, I've shared a little bit about the child in our care. And um, there have been the odd occasions where he has put a smile on our face. He has taught me an awful lot about the value of money. So I have to say this. When he found a one-pound coin under his pillow, left by the tooth fairy... Now, I know what you're thinking. Les, you do not look anything like a tooth fairy, and I totally agree with you. But when he found it... He picked it up, came downstairs, really excited, and said, Les, can I eat it? Because he has got no understanding of money. I love the simplicity of that. But anyway, our riches are not earthbound. Paul wrote, set your hearts on heavenly things, because that is our glorious inheritance. Paul then prays this. In verse 19, that these Christians will know the power of God in their lives. His incomparably great power. It's matchless. Nothing can be put alongside the power of God. And what is this power? He tells us in verse 20. That power is the same mighty power that God exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow, just let that sink in. That's the power of God that Paul is writing about, that we can live our lives in. The power that brought Jesus Christ back to life again is the power that we can live in day by day. Isn't that wonderful? And as I think of Christ, died, yes. Risen again, praise God, ascended into his glory. The words of this lovely hymn came to mind. He who came to save us, he who bled and died, now is crowned with glory at his Father's side. Never more to suffer, never more to die. Jesus, King of glory, is gone up on high. This power that raised Jesus from the dead and made him sit in the heavenly realms is available not only to these believers in Ephesus, but it's available to us as well. That should really encourage us. Then Paul concludes his prayer. Verses 21 to 23. 
he uses this lovely anthem of praise. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, that's Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, that's us, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You know, the book of Ephesians has often been quoted as the Alps of the New Testament. The reason being that Paul is able to lift the believers here and us as we enjoy this letter to such a height that we can see Christ crowned with glory and honour, raised to life, ascended, glorified, magnified, powerful saviour, majestic saviour, friend. And yet this saviour is just a prayer away. And this is the one that Paul has every confidence in when he prays and as he prays for these believers in Ephesus. Just a few simple thoughts. So I pray that it will encourage your hearts. Thank you, Steve.